Our podcast is about a story about a town, a small town, and the people who live in the town. From a distance, it presents itself like so many other fandom podcasts all over the internet. Nerdy, white, male. Get closer though, and you start to see the silliness underneath. Welcome, one and all, to River Do's and River Don'ts. It's the podcast where we go through a threadbare, semi-beat-by-beat of an episode of Riverdale and discuss our very favorite parts, the River Do's, our very least favorite parts, the River Don'ts, which will just never top last week, and the weekly weirdness, which is the parts of the show that just kind of don't make sense, tonally clash, leave you a bit puzzled. And this week... We're doing Chapter 9, La Grande Illusion, written by James DeWille and directed by Lee Rose. And let me tell you, this whole episode is a weekly weirdness. I don't know what I just watched. It truly is. And before we get too far into things, I do want to say that I'm Quinn. Oh yeah, you are. You very much are. And I'm Rob. Now, Us let's... comically forgetting to introduce ourselves is now a thing, uh-huh. I guess. So, yep. Okay. Format updated. Yeah, let's actually start talking about what the actual bloody hell happened here. Okay, a lot of it is similar to episode five, I believe, the gothic soap opera about the Blossoms, where there are plot details that make sense. There are plot details that don't make sense, but there are some that follow one another. The tone and the style and some of the directorial choices lead to a lot of the strangeness. It is so red, this episode. Yes, indeed it is. So let's just try to get through the basic plot of the episode so that we have some kind of structure to hang all the weird on. We get the approach of a maple tree tapping ceremony among the Blossom Clan. The maple syrup is their big industry that they made craploads of money with and have sort of become the financial titans that they are now. The alleged murder of a Cooper patriarch by a Blossom is the start of the huge feud between those two families. And this tree tapping ceremony is a lot more than just like, here's the first maple syrup. It is quickly made clear that this is a, like, Borgias kind of thing where it's them all having this pretext to come in and size each other up and smell for blood and weakness and assess the fitness of of the various members of the family to be in the positions they're in and just basically be horrible, manipulative, like the nobility from The Hunger Games. It's like Groundhog Day for wasps. Yes. (laughs) So that's what's happening. And whether it's because of the weird vision she had at the, like, homecoming thing, or just the fact that Archie's, like, a hot redhead, I don't know what it is, but Cheryl has decided that Archie will be escorting her to this ceremony, because it's going to be difficult emotionally for her to get through this without her brother. That's a thing she decided. And Archie, naturally, is like, huh? And so we get... Cheryl's mother essentially bribing Archie with a good word to this absurdly prestigious summer music program, which sets off a whole series of questionably motivated gift giving from the Blossom family to Archie (laughs) that happens in this episode. They're trying to pretty woman the shit out of Archie. It's really true. And so we have that. And when that develops over the course of the episode, this bizarre attempted assimilation of like, oh, (laughs) you look like you have enough ginger blood in you to be 
part of our Jason? clan. You will be assimilated. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying uh, to make him new Jason. Yeah, like they're going to start dressing him in Jason's clothes and like like sex things. I don't know. It's it's so uncomfortable and weird. The whole thing. All of it is weird. Yeah. Um but this episode is sort of saved in my opinion by a super strong and emotionally powerful plot involving Veronica and her mother. Oh, absolutely. We get the other shoe dropping, we get Veronica being forcefully shown the consequences of the financial games that her dad got put in prison for playing too fast and loose. Ethel's dad attempts suicide because he was one of Hiram's investors and he's been ruined by Hiram's criminal activity. And her having to face that and dealing with the consequences of their lavish lifestyle is this really frank and insightful look at the way that late capitalism works by preying on people to the advantage of a few who often don't actually play by the rules and just a really harrowing and vulnerable moment for veronica that this show needed you can really feel the tension that she feels there of still wanting to believe in her father at times while being faced just very directly with the full extent of what he has wrought. Mm-hmm. Also on a side note, I missed Veronica. I missed Veronica having things to do and mattering. Yeah. Uh, and so that was really, I didn't even, I mean, the show had been distracting me with enough pretty flashing lights and stuff that I hadn't really thought about it consciously. But when she became prominent again, I was like, oh, right, Veronica's a character in this show that I quite like. Yeah, she's like one of my favorites. Uh, so like that was that was good. That good on this episode. We certainly then get an escalation of the conflict between the Coopers. Alice wants to do this full-blown expose on the Blossoms and, and really show the world just how weird and corrupt they are. And... Hal's not interested because he's just fired her from the paper that they run together and changed all the passwords on the computers and stuff. And we don't know exactly where it goes from there, but we end up with Alice deciding to work at the school newspaper with her daughter and Jughead. Um, yep. <laughs> That's because what Because apparently happens. they've got more funds. Yes, they have a better which, budget than the, like, <laughs> okay. I don't know if they're saying that the blue and gold is lavishly well-funded or if... The register is just is just that. actually squatting yeah. in their office. Also, I do want to say that when Alice threw the stones through the window, one of the only things I was thinking in my head was, well, who's going to tell the story about this? <laughs> when the two news reporters in town Are get into a spat like that coming to blows. and yeah. do property damage, who's going to report on it? Which is one of the reasons I thought it was brilliant that she just did that. Because he's not going to say anything. Anyway, (laughs) Archie finds out that Polly is living with the Blossoms, perhaps for a reason different than we expected. She's going to uncover the truth. Yeah, she's doing some deep undercover work. That is what is happening with her. And basically, we tie up the episode with Archie realizing the super goddamn obvious thing, which is that the Blossoms are just using him as a surrogate for Jason and just like, you know, maybe not. Maybe maybe the evil family of tyrants is not good people. After a really uncomfortable kiss with Cheryl. Yes. And so he's like, okay, I'm out. Maybe a smart person would have been out way, way faster, but I'm Archie. And and so I've I've figured out what I want to, you know, do to be on the right side of this. And then he 
goes and tries to reconcile with Val, and she is not having it. Oh, she shuts that shit right down. We learn that he has just been completely ignoring her and not being at all attentive and that their relationship has been about Archie only and like that he is just not fit as a romantic partner and and she's done with him she does hang a beautiful lampshade on the fact that she's become a tertiary character at best since their kiss by saying essentially you've just abandoned me since we started dating like we haven't seen anything in this relationship no because he's off doing other bullshit yeah the show's not interested in dealing with it and so i do think that they handle it cleverly by having her be upset that there hasn't been time for her it was clever i think that's the beat by beat beat by beat is a really generous term i think that's the gloss yeah so let's get into our river dues the things that we just loved absolutely it probably should be obvious from the tone that i took during the synopsis but Veronica having to deal with the real-world consequences of the harm that her father and her family's lifestyle has done to real people is definitely my favorite thing in this episode. It was really, really good. Breaking the iconic pearl necklace that she doesn't even take off when she's trying to seduce evil football players in a hot tub was very, very good. And her really putting her money where her mouth is in terms of trying to be a better person as she exposited unjustifiably in the first episode she really is going to try to do right by ethel and be a good friend to her and accept if ethel's going to be mad at her for what her dad did even though it's not her fault so both the angst that she has to go through finding out how badly her family has hurt people the virtue she shows in sticking with ethel and the sort of heartwarming decision by ethel that like you know you didn't do the things that your dad did and you were a good friend to me when no one else would be that was like oh i liked that a lot that whole arc through this episode was very very good that was my favorite that was definitely the strongest part of this episode it it was very good and it touched on some of the not only the complicated elements that you see navigating the implications of late capitalism but also of being in that place as a young person where you need to reconcile the esteem in which you hold the people that you value with the fact that they're ultimately human and might do a lot of harm yes and on that theme of like capitalism and messing up people's lives through business i should mention that i do have a strong runner-up for like a single scene or a single moment uh in terms of something that's very good and that is fred just spelling shit out for Hermione near the end of the episode where he says okay I now know that you're the anonymous buyer that like I've been getting played and I am fucking sick of me and my family being used as pawns in this game that you're playing and caught in these crossfires that we have nothing to do with yeah so I'm gonna take 20% from now on he has the iconic fuck you pay me moment He's like, nope, I'm taking a huge share. I'm going to have skin in the game. I'm going to get some sort of compensation for the way that I'm being constantly fucked with by all of you people. And if you don't like that, there's the door. And by the way, I happen to know that you need me now. And we're not dating anymore. That shit was just, it was a fist pumping moment of like the little guy and the decent guy. Way to go, Fred. Awesome. I was very happy with that. It was a fantastic reversal. My Riverdue actually came at the end of this episode, and you might have picked up on it from the way that I talked about things, and 
that was actually Val breaking things off with Archie. Because Very good. They had turned her character into just this vestigial sort of background element as soon as that relationship was happening. Which is sad. It was an incredible I, disservice. I genuinely to her. believed their chemistry and the rightness of their relationship, which of course dooms it because it theirs is a relationship that wouldn't create that much conflict. Um ultimately and the only way that they were too able to good of an idea. contact was by writing her into the corner just writing her into the margins yeah agreed so i appreciated that and i appreciated her calling archie out on ignoring her through the entire thing that was a good choice too because one of the only ways that you could have a break upable offense in that relationship that's believable is archie being too dumb and just not realizing stuff being oblivious because archie's dumb mm-hmm so it's like nothing with malice, nothing manipulative or really super like actively shitty. He just wasn't paying attention because he's not good at paying attention. <laughs> yeah, no, he can see in one direction at any given time. And I like that both that he didn't make an extraordinary effort to wheedle his way back into her good graces to convince her not to dump him and that obviously that wasn't going to work. Like the show did a good job treating that passive ignorance thing as like, okay, yeah, maybe he's not a terrible guy. Maybe he didn't mean to hurt her, but he did. And that's valid. And she gets to decide how she reacts to that. So yes, I right. Very and good. She, uh, she very preemptively shuts down any attempts to try to get anything more out of the situation. And I, I like that. Yes. Go Val. Sadly, I bet that means we're going to see even less of you now. I know. But, but this takes us from our river do's to our river don'ts. Indeed. And in such a sprawling fugue of an episode, there were definitely some things that were worth picking up as potential river don'ts here. And I picked this one because it serves in part as a compliment to my river do, which was the incredibly strange forced development of feelings for Archie and then the kiss that that culminated in with Cheryl. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that he looks kind of like Jason because he's a generically handsome redhead, but he was really, aside from like when he stepped up and defended Cheryl in front of her parents, he was coasting through those situations, you know? He was kind of yeah. like looking around like a confused puppy dog and just waiting for someone to grab him by the hand and drag him to the next place he needed to look pretty. Yep. Are there more guitars there? Right. Yeah. So even with her little spiel about how you're the only decent person in this town, I just really didn't buy that and it was really uncomfortable, especially with all of the new Jason stuff. Like, oh, it yeah. was kind of squicky. super weird. I mean, it also raises some uncomfortable and sad implications about, like, how much kindness does Cheryl actually experience in her life? Like, if I get that he got her out of a jam, but if what Archie has done for her is, like, the most significant to the point where she's sort of falling for him, like, damn. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, indications are that probably that is the case, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Absolutely. How about yours? Okay. So, my Riverdone is very close to yours, but it's actually a bit later. We get this narration from Jughead at the very, very end of the episode talking about just how horrifying and terrible the wrath of Cheryl Blossom will become in, in a foreshadowy thing. And she's scratching out Archie and Polly's faces on a photograph. And, okay, it motivates conflict. It's fine. Like, that means there's going to be drama in coming episodes. But... 
we have been doing this Cordelia chase from Buffy thing, this Cordelification, if you will, of Cheryl's character, where she starts as like the alpha bitch and like slowly becomes more charming and more tolerable as time goes on. And then you find yourself kind of liking her, or at least I did, uh, despite all of her absurd flaws. Mm-hmm. This thing at the end with the forced uncomfortable kiss with Archie and the rage that apparently is going to presage like this huge problem for everybody suggests to me that this is another female character getting her characterization just bent into a pretzel to do whatever the show feels like doing right now. Yeah, um, like that, that this, that this arc of her getting less horrible and less psychotic was fake like ultimately it was like a temporary weird thing that didn't matter and that once something new happened in the plot like she's she's done being the character she's been for the last several episodes and she's back to episode one or worse it feels like again we're just having our characters be slightly ill used by the needs of the plot absolutely so that's that's my river down is just like and i mean i don't know how well you know this is the last episode as of this recording that i've seen i don't know how well they're gonna handle what comes next but even if they don't it's just another brick in that wall of like, we're going to put the idea we have for the story ahead of consistency of characterization, especially if the character's female. Yeah, and that's bullhooky. Uh, so that's kind of the thing. Um, I mean, God, picking, transitioning into our weekly weird, picking one here is odd. Because it's like the weekly weird forms the negative space around these small islands of coherent content in this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, This fever dream of an episode. So I sort of am going to go ahead and sort of like for the purposes of my weekly weird, just ignore the weirdness of the Blossom family and their whole oeuvre. Okay. Because like how could I pick one moment in that? That's all super weird and it encompasses most of the episode. So looking outside of that... There are two things. And my runner-up, so to speak, is much more amusing, actually, than my my actual one. So I'm going to go with my actual Weekly Weird first, which is, at one of these many bizarre family functions of the Blossom family, we learned that Archie knows how to ballroom dance. He just is able to dance Mm -hmm. in that way. And it's not like they're doing anything complicated, but even the simple stuff in that vein is not something that one learns on a construction site or a football field or by playing a guitar. And we've made a big deal about how that takes up all of Archie's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did he learn his cotillion dancing? Yeah. It just, I was like, what's happening? Why is he not terrible at this? And that's like a joke. And that's something that like Cheryl's trying to, or at least why didn't we have a scene where Cheryl just rolls up like Michael Caine in Miss Congeniality and tries to fix this shit before it becomes a disaster in front of her family. That was weird to me. That was probably like my my one weekly weird if I had to pick something that wasn't just this whole episode. Right. My runner-up, though, which was also like, if there was not an amazing, emotionally devastating arc for Veronica, there was a line in this episode that is my favorite thing that has ever been said by a character on tv i can't believe they wrote this and someone read it and someone said it in front of the camera and they were like yep good cut and print when mrs blossom penelope is trying to convince archie no no no, really you do need to go to the ceremony with my daughter Mm -hmm. she says the words that she would like to have archie quote reconsider escorting my daughter to the tapping 
Uh, I was speechless. Yeah, that's <laughs> and then laughed for rough. just a couple days. <laughs> I just there. <laughs> what 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 else can we say about that? Escort <laughs> my daughter to the tapping. Wow. <laughs> <sighs> I rewound it. Did I hear that? Surely that's not what she said. That's oh, what she is. said. Making hard, intense eye contact with him the whole time from like two inches away because oh, she yeah. definitely like Cheryl's concept of personal space clearly derives from that of her mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That so that that wasn't weird in the sense of like inexplicable the way much of the episode was in my actual weekly weird. But like it just it's not good enough to deserve it being the river do. It's not quite weird enough to be the weekly weird. But like I would be remiss to not bring up that fucking sentence. Yeah. Yeah. My weekly weird is actually in regards to the motives or the pull to action of the Blossom investors. Like, these people crawl out of the woodwork, now that winter is coming, right? To attack this family and try to usurp control because they've got a dead son and a potential bastard on the way. What the fuck does that have to do with maple syrup? What the fuck Again. does that have to do with <laughs> tapping trees? Because these... These people are the Borgias. They are not living in modern America. They are living in a Renaissance era landed nobility setting. Yeah. And modern American stuff just goes on around them. In this world where a personal tragedy is excused to try to just swoop in and take control of this company. Mind you, very late. Like, they are late to this party, too. Yes, almost as though this... You know, the the show just came up with this idea and said, well, now is as good a time as any. We need something for the tapping. Oh, boy. <laughs> it, he, that, that to me was just, like, unbelievable. Because it's framed as this thing where, like, the dogs smell blood or the... The sharks smell blood. But these sharks are slow. These sharks were sleeping on a golden opportunity. No, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, But, again, the Blossom family doesn't make sense. They are from a different genre of story. And they're just transplanted into this. It's all encapsulated by them sending out their hounds. It really is. On the fox hunt. When everyone else is doing, like, a search party. Like, they just... No one informed them of the year or the setting, and they're just doing what they do. It's so bananas. So this episode was super nuts. It was. And I can't wait to see what kind of absolute nonsense comes off of it if Jughead's narration is to be taken at face value, which is questionable, given the track record of his things that he says at the beginnings and ends of episodes meaning anything. (laughs) But I have a feeling that we're going to see... Some pretty incandescent Cheryl weirdness. Oh yeah, up. here's here's hoping. Thanks for sticking around. I hope that there's more of more than one of you. I, you know, we went we went through that last week. We're not sure, but I hope that uh, you all enjoy weathering the storm of chaos. In Jughead's words, that comes next. Aye. See you soon. Bye bye.